Hello. Hi. Welcome to the same drugs. I'm Megan Murphy. I'm Laura McNally. Uh, What's happening this week? COVID. Really? Yes, there has been some outbreaks in BC. Our perfect province has been sullied. Um, Only a little bit. And it's not our fault. It's the rednecks. (laughs) Oh, okay. Are they like anti-distancing or something? Um, So there was like a bunch of people who went up to Kelowna, which is in the interior in BC, to party over Canada Day long weekend. And they infected a bunch of people. So it's actually, it's all, it's younger people. So it's like people kind of in their 20s who... um, yeah, we're partying in Kelowna, which is sort of a... I don't want to insult anyone from Kelowna. Um, maybe I should just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of says more than... Okay, so... Kelowna yeah. is like a... I, it's a it's a small city. Is it a city? It's like, is it a town or a city? How many is are it either a big town or a small city? Oh my god, I don't know the population of Kelowna. So <laughs> let me check for you, Laura. Do you want all of the info? Specifics, yes. Like, I'm Tell just here everything. to complain about Kelowna. Oh, Kelowna. I was thinking it was spelt totally differently than Emily's just said in the comments. Um, Kelowna is a city. And there's like 200,000 people there. Oh, that's tiny. Yeah. So it's pretty, but it's pretty, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like it's kind of a douchey rednecky place. Like there's a lot of like water skiing and like bros and um, it's very Do they have kind of like Uh, cash from some industry around there is that why well there's a lot of tourists there so i don't even actually know if it's people from Kelowna who are doing this i suspect that it was i think that people in Kelowna have just been partying and that nobody's been paying attention to any of the restrictions and guidelines including the bars um because there were some outbreaks that came from bars like uh, Brown's Social House in Kelowna, I guess. Uh, some of the cases were tracked to there. So I suspect that this is a big, the bars in Vancouver are really strict, like so strict mm-hmm. that it's not that fun to go to the bar. Like you go, but mm. I mean, fair enough. Like you can't walk around in the bar. You can't mm. mingle. You can sit at a table or at a bar stool with the people that you came with. And then you're like two meters away from anyone else, or there's some kind of, um, you know, plastic or glass barrier between you and the other table, um, mm. a barrier between you and the bartender who's wearing a mask. Um, so I... That sounds fun. Oh. I mean, it's... You get to hang out. You can hang out with your friends, but yeah, it's not... Yeah. It's not the same at all. But I mean... Sterile. Yeah. And I mean, it has to be sterile for now, I guess, because what happens when it's not is like 20 year olds go around spreading COVID all over the place. So I guess like, I I think what happened was six people. So there's two people from Vancouver, two people from Alberta, two people from Kelowna who went up to Kelowna and like 
partied a bunch, like went to a bunch of bars, like partied at their Airbnb. Um, I think that there was a bunch of like partying events and Mm -hmm. it caused a whole bunch of new cases. I mean, a whole bunch, not that many in comparison to, you know, what's going on in the U S like Canada Mm -hmm. is still doing well. And BC is still doing well, all things like compared to everyone else. But, uh, how many cases are we talking about when you say outbreak? What does that mean? Um, I think there was like 30 new cases today. So, well, cause we had gotten down to practically no cases. Yeah. So, um, like I think the six people that went up to Kelowna to party, um, that caused a bunch of cases there. Like, I think it impacted like 60 people. I think that 60 cases came from those six people partying up in Kelowna is mm-hmm. what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So in the interior, there were, Oh, Renee says there's a hundred in total. Okay. I'm, I'm reading right now that saying that in the, inter- in the interior, there's 70 new cases that are connected to people with COVID attending Gatherings in the downtown and waterfront areas of Kelowna in late June and early July. Um, so I really um, want to know how people who are the kind of carriers feel when, because we were in Vietnam when this first happened, and there was one Vietnamese woman who is like super rich, and she'd flown from like the UK, from like somewhere in London to uh, Paris Fashion Week and somewhere in Italy and somewhere else and then back to Vietnam and then, like, had her driver and chef with her going around to all these cities in Vietnam and spread it. And that was, like, the person. And everyone was so angry because she knew she was sick the whole time. And everyone's like, how dare you? Like, it's the whole economy because of one person. And I'm like, I wonder how they feel. It would be so embarrassing and everybody yes. would hate you. It would be a pretty bad feeling. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think there haven't been a lot of new deaths. I think there was one new death and that one was connected to a care home. Um, yeah. So I suspect, and, you know, probably if a lot of the people are young, they'll be fine. Um, mm. But, of course, it just it can mean that it can explode, and if things get bad again, then we have to shut down again, and nobody wants that. I don't even – I was getting so str- – like, I've been pretty feeling – I haven't been feeling too anxious about the whole thing mm. lately, um, but I was starting to feel, like, a bit stressed about it. It's like, I don't want to get COVID. Um, but, yeah, what? there's nothing too much going on in Vancouver. Well, no, because it can really suck. Like, it's No, like- I mean, like – do you, I was like, no, do you think? <laughs> I mean, you think you might get it? Well, you never know. Like, I'm I'm not just in my apartment alone all the time. You know, I'm socializing. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to parties. Like, I'm not going to a big events or anything like that. I'm just going out with my friends every once in a while, or um, you know, going to my friend's house or something like that. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. Yeah, you, I mean, you never know. Like theoretically it's I mean, possible i mean i was like i don't think i'm, I'm likely to get it i'm pretty low risk yeah. like i work yeah, at home yeah. i'm not around very many people i'm not around other people who are high risk but i mean yeah. i had a very blase attitude when we were in vietnam because there were so few cases and um 
And then at one point, the place where we were staying, we found out like, that's it. They're shutting the whole town down because a couple tourists came in and like, because they were tourists, they went to like every bar in the whole town on their first night and like the best restaurants all on their first night, infected a bunch of staff at every place. And then of course, some patrons and we had been there to one Mm -hmm. of them. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, this is how quickly it happens. Yeah, I mean, it can be such a small number of people who cause, who can, like, wreak havoc if they aren't safe and they're around a whole bunch of other people. I mean, it's Mm. the big gathering thing that's the problem. And I mean, and they're actually, in Vancouver, people were super up in arms because um, in the summers, every Tuesday night, I believe, there's a big, huge drum circle down at one of the beaches here in the West End. Fucking hippies. Never attended for <laughs> obvious reasons. No. No. I don't want to be around any of those people. Drums. Okay. But they did it last week. So there's photos of like, you know, hundreds, I think hundreds of people. It looks like a ton of people all packed in close together down at the beach having their drum circle don't and worry like, megan their their energy and their crystals will save them yeah probably i mean they're not even all hippies there's like a lot it's like hipstery people go down there to like hang out and like dance and stuff like that it's like a, a kind of i wouldn't like laugh at them beach. if it was like brazil where lots of people do that i'd be like yeah people do that but like <laughs> in vancouver really like, what do you drum I mean, on? Vancouver has, drum? That, Vancouver has that kind of scene here, for sure. Like, Brazilians like, or people that... Want I think, to like, like, African drums. Okay. I've never... I, as I mentioned, I've never been and I never intend to <laughs> be. <laughs> um, uh, somebody... Yeah, people, people are agreeing with me about my Kelowna assessment and seem to understand what I mean. Um, yeah, the last town I was in was 200,000 and it was like hard out rednecks. And I mean, it was just rough. Like, I think Kelowna can be a bit rough. Like, I think there's a lot of Hells Angels there. And I think that there's actually a major crack problem there. Um, probably a major meth problem. But it's also just a lot of, you know, men with big trucks and jet skis and wraparound sunglasses Mm. and a lot of, like, young people getting wasted and partying and acting like (laughs) douchebags. It's not PC. I mean, I can't judge them. I have but... personally engaged in those activities. So. Oh, I mean, I, I hate partying in big trucks. Yeah. It's a different kind of partying in big truck scene. It's not my partying in big truck scene. I don't know what a big truck scene is, so I can't really even comment. Okay. I guess it's, yeah, it might be hard to understand if you're not from BC. Maybe when you come here, I'll take you to Kelowna and show you around. It's going to be very weird, like very culture shock-y. Yes, it will be. Um, but in any case, so it's, it made me feel like a little bit nervous and panicky, which I hadn't felt in a long time. And then I thought, well, that's probably good. It's probably better to be. I mean, there's some people who are so over the top about the paranoia. Like I keep reading about people. And again, often like, 
young people who are like, I haven't left my house in three months or like, I'm still not going out. And I'm like, what? Like, you're still not going out or socializing at all. Like, that's crazy. Like you must at, at that point, you must already have some kind of like agoraphobia or Mm. like serious social anxiety. And now you're just using this as an excuse. Like you're using your hypochondria as like, I can't go or you, you don't want to be going anywhere. And you're just using this as a reason to, because that's not healthy. Like we can, we can be in, in, you know, depending on where you're living and depending on what's happening there, you can be kind of going back to living your normal life. If you're careful and you are making wise choices. You just Um, use a glory hole when you need to have sex. (sighs) (laughs) I saw that and I was like, I mean, some people will definitely take that advice. Like it won't be that. I feel like that would take all the enjoyment out of sex using a glory hole. Like, isn't a, the, a main fun part of sex, like the chemistry and the making out and the passion not just yeah. the, like, okay, put it in the hole. But there are certain, like, clubs and stuff where, like, glory holes are a thing well, for, for gay a men. reason. Yeah. Yeah. Not, like, and those, okay, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the, the glory holes for gay men that are at, I don't know, certain, like, truck stops or clubs or in certain sketchy public washrooms... Those are for blowjobs, not literal sex, because that seems very mm. awkward and potentially scrapey. Mm. Yeah, wait, how would you even do that? Because you're going to have to keep your body back and get your dick forward, which, I mean, good luck. I mean, I, okay, so this is what I'll, I'll actually read you the guidelines here. So this is from the BC center for disease control. And this week they added new recommendations for socially distant sex to (laughs) COVID-19. It's so depressing. (laughs) Socially distant sex. Like it's, I mean, it really, it's a really hard time for the singles like it's a really Mm -hmm. hard and unfair time for people who aren't already in relationships Mm -hmm. like and I mean are people are people really realistically going to follow these recommendations I mean I appreciate that they're trying to offer these guidelines but you know if you if you actually finally after all these (laughs) meet somebody that you want to have sex with you're gonna be like okay Put on your mask. Let's find a glory Let's hole. find a sheet. <laughs> Sanitize me. <laughs> okay, oh so here God. are the guidelines. Here are the guidelines. Okay, sorry, we're getting so graphic already, everyone. I guess I feel like sometimes we we save all the, the graphic stuff for the Patreon only, but not today. Oh, there'll be more graphic details on Patreon. I'll tell them about Probably. why I'm sitting like this <laughs> okay <laughs> okay 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 Okay. so this is from the bc center for disease control and their covid sex recommendations so okay so these are the kinds of sex that are i guess suggested or or just dis- or discussed in terms of you know what kind of 
um, what, what you can do to, to protect yourself um, mm-hmm. while engaging in these sex acts. Masturbating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you are your safest sex partner. Masturbating by yourself, in bracket, in bracket, solo sex, is masturbating sex. Masturbating isn't sex. I mean... Come on. I don't know. Are you masturbating with, like, a... Sex is, like... Well, uh, okay, now I'm going to get in trouble if I was like, sex is intercourse. Sex is only penis and vagina, missionary style, <laughs> between a married man and woman for the purpose of procreating. As exactly. Okay. Now continue. <laughs> Glad we thought that out. Okay. Masturbating by yourself will not spread COVID. If you masturbate with a partner, physical distancing will lower your chance of getting COVID. Okay, so there's one option. Uh, another option, virtual sex. So, like, kill me. Video dates, phone chats, sexting, online chat rooms, and group cam rooms are ways to engage in sexual activity with no chance of spreading COVID. And you just have sex over your computer. Totally fun and fulfilling, and you won't get COVID. <laughs> like, I'm, it's so depressing. Um, okay, sex with a partner. Um, so having one or a few regular sex partners can help lower the chances of being exposed to COVID. Okay, so that's good. We can have a few, I guess, maybe. Um, but, but here are some steps. <laughs> Three. Um, just to protect yourself during sex. So here are some ways to lower the risk of being exposed to COVID during sex with others. Um, You ask your partner or partners if they're feeling unwell or have any symptoms of COVID. Um, You wash your whole body with soap and water before and after sex. You wash your hands with soap and water before and after. You wash your your sex toys with soap and water. Um, You wear a face covering or a mask because heavy breathing during sex can create more droplets that may transmit COVID. Um, You can avoid or limit kissing and saliva exchange like (laughs) <laughs> no no avoid just... saliva <laughs> saliva exchange is the best part of sex you guys yeah I would argue a necessary part actually I mean it's up to you really if that's what you want to do but it's just it's super weird not kissing is is quite weird for sure I feel like that would just feel um, dehumanizing yeah. I don't feel like that would be... It feels like you're not really like, into it or them. Totally. It feels like you're not connecting, and it would feel yeah. like you were being used. Like, I don't know. It would feel sort of like prostitution. Like, okay, get the job done. Stay away from me. See you later. Um, And people are just tuning in and feeling confused. <laughs> okay and finally of course use barriers like walls e.g glory holes that allow for sexual contact but prevent close face-to-face contact wait so who released these guidelines the bc center for disease control can you imagine the meeting they had where they discussed whether to put glory holes in this (laughs) it was probably like a bunch of kind of uptight i'm assuming they're kind of 
doctors, those kind of people, and they're like, should we include glory holes in this list? Hmm, let's have a debate. Who came up with this, and what did everybody think when they did come up with that? Mm-hmm. Like, someone's like, um, I think a really important thing to include is the glory hole. <laughs> and everyone would be like, let's discuss. Right, of course, the glory hole. How did we all forget that, and how did you remember that? i feel like do you want to share examples of experiences where you think a glory hole could be used oh my god i mean Um, okay sorry somebody wants a link to this so i'm just gonna post it here um so yeah i mean i just i i mean i i guess it's not unuseful. Like, people were really making a big deal out of this. Like, it's like, the BC Center for Disease Control recommended glory holes, glory holes, glory holes. <laughs> so when I went and actually read what their what their recommendations are, like, they do all sound silly and unrealistic. Yeah. And a glory hole. Like, a, really? Like, How that, I don't think that saves sex, also. Like, it's like, I, I kind of think that the kinds of people who are using glory holes in the kinds of places where there would be glory holes are not practicing safe sex because you're probably hooking up with a stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, so... And if you're... I guess you won't get COVID, but you'll probably get, like, chlamydia and maybe something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, If you're, like, a couple that's, like, discussing how to have sex safely right now chances are you're already you're already you're close enough to have exchanged whatever you might have so there would be no it's too late for you now i mean what you would be discussing with your partner is like what they're doing to ensure that they're not exposing themselves to covid out in the world so that they're also not exposing you to covid wouldn't that be Um, like this everybody else is out of luck even if it was someone that you're hooking up with for the first time like wouldn't the obvious smart thing to be like hey let's have a conversation about like you know if it's possible for us to hook up like where are the kind of places you've been to you're going to like you know is there people like that you're close to that are at risk so like should we talk about that well you're talking about people who are already couples not people who are meeting at a drum circle and hooking up (laughs) couples but i mean like if you've been on a few dates and i'm assuming you haven't had sex yet but you're kind of like chatting could you not chat about that before having sex just as like another conversation i mean i guess what you would do in that case i would think would be like you'd be having the same kind of conversation that you'd be having about stds like are you hooking up with other people are you being safe i mean at this point i mean at at most points probably, but particularly at this point, I think if I was dating somebody and we were going to start having sex and also continue dating, then I would like seeing other people would be a no go. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Sorry. Like not cool. But lots of people um, kind of see multiple people as a way of like avoiding you know, like it's a it's a useful way to stay single if that's what you're trying to do. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting for. Well, the I hope all those people get COVID. <laughs> but if you're a commitment phobe, right, and 
you also want to be careful about COVID. So then you're kind of drawn to be like, oh, I should probably just, I've already hooked up with this person. Like it makes sense. Statistically, it makes sense to just hook up with that person and just leave it at that one person. But then you're like, are you going to freak out because it feels like relationshipy because you haven't got multiple people on the go? I don't know. Probably. I don't I, have any, I don't I can't relate to these people so and I'm I'm judgmental of them and I'm getting triggered right now so I think we should move on. <laughs> like I don't know why don't we just not let this why you ask him? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So okay. I, like I want I want to know though like are there any covid cases where you are like are you in a small t- I'm not going to ask you where you are specifically um but like are you in a small town like I don't, I'm assuming I don't like New Zealand isn't really on the map as far as like places that have are, I don't think have New a Zealand, lot of, have a big problem with this I don't think New Zealand's ever on the map but it's particularly not on the map for covid <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if there's any COVID cases anymore. Like there's there's no restrictions on anything as long as you don't go international. And there's if no you do restrictions go on anything. Like, are there restrictions on like gatherings or what you can do no, at bars no. or? Really, no, everything's totally normal. There's no, there's oh, nothing. Because wow. okay. I'm pretty sure if it's not zero, it's it was like close enough to zero. Um, it's just that if you go international. Because it's such a small country, like it's so tiny. Uh, if you go international, you have to do a mandated, like, government quarantine in a facility, and you have to like pay for that full quarantine period. There's no like negotiation on that process, right? So that keeping the country safe, basically, right? But so, for example, in Vancouver, if you go to a restaurant. You're not allowed to, like a restaurant won't seat you at a table that's bigger than six. Six is the max of Mm. of people that you're allowed to. And that's also the recommendation for if you're hanging out. Like if you have people over to your house, you should Mm. try to keep it up to a max of six people. So that's not the case in, in New Zealand. No, they had that like maybe when we were on level three or two. Um, there was still some distancing guidelines where you would sit like at separate tables and stuff, but it's just, it's totally normal. I didn't even notice when they first, to be honest, I was quite oblivious when they did enforce restrictions. And then I was oblivious when they stopped enforcing them because I just like, don't notice things. (laughs) Just walk straight into a shop and stuff's like, what do you pay attention to, Laura? What have you been doing with your time? I do not know, but it's been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so no restrictions. Been, have you been going out? Have you been to any clubs? I, I remember um, last time you said you wanted to go clubbing and no one would go with you. No, I feel, yeah, I feel like I gave up because no one wanted to go. And then I've kind of been sick, so it's been, like, pointless to even try. But um, maybe you're the one COVID case in New Zealand. No, it's not that kind of sickness. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to ask you specifics. Oh, maybe we're going to talk about this on Patreon. Yeah, I'll tell you on Patreon. Wow, this is an exciting. This is a lot to look forward to on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. We actually have some very interesting topics because when you sent them to me, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
what were some of these topics? There okay, has been so... a lot going on this week. Both. Okay, so well, there, okay, so first of all, there's Kanye. Yeah, and Kanye. First, I was really excited, like when I first added Kanye to our our show notes doc. It was because he wanted to get back into the Kanye twenty twenty presidential race game, yep. and I was like, man. I would vote for Kanye over Trump and maybe mm. over, I'm not American, so I'm not voting, but <clears throat> all hypothetical. Like, I don't know. I like, I like Kanye. Um, yeah. People give Kanye a hard time, but he's a really incredible producer and artist. He's obviously, I, I, I went through a long period of not liking him. Um, partly because I just didn't like, a bunch of the albums after graduation and I was like, eh, I'm not really into these. I don't care about Kanye. And because he seemed like such an egomaniac. Mm. Um, and then he married Kim Kardashian and this was before I got really into keeping up with the Kardashians and I just thought they were all idiots and I was like, this is embarrassing. Like, you're like this great like producer mm. artist and you married Kim Kardashian who looks mm. like some kind of like porny Barbie doll. Mm. Um, and I was like, I don't think, I don't think I can respect you. Um, mm-hmm. And then he started producing some albums that I really liked. Mm. And I got really into watching keeping up with the Kardashians and actually <laughs> began to like, I actually really like them. I really like the Kardashians. I have respect for that family. I think that they're very smart. I think that they're very strategic. I think they have a really good work ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're really tight and they respect one another a lot. Like I like their family dynamic. Like they have mm-hmm. conflicts, like they have a lot of conflicts and they talk things through, I think in a very mature way and they really deal with stuff and they're really open. Like mm-hmm. as far as reality TV goes, I respect like how open they are about all their family stuff because that kind of stuff you get judged for so much. Um, and it would be really scary to be that open. And obviously they profit from it. Like it's not just out of the goodness of their hearts that they're <laughs> offering us, us all of this, but they do, they all, they work really, really hard. Like they, yeah. They're not just, like, basking by the pool or on a yacht, you know what I mean? Like, they're up at, like, 4 a.m. working out and then doing 8 billion meetings and creating. And they're very, like, um, intentional about what they produce. Mm. Um, So I actually think that they are quite savvy. And uh, I guess I can see how Kanye would fit into that family um after getting to know them oh my sound just dropped like right as you said that i just said i i can see why like kanye would fit well into that family after like getting to know getting to know the kardashians by i think I, i mentioned to you before that in the last year I watched every single season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians since the very beginning. <laughs> it's like really good to watch. I watch like six episodes a night, every night. It's so <laughs> easy to watch. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think um, one of the big criticisms of the family is like, well, they're capitalist and they're superficial and they're this and they're that. And like, yeah, so like, does everyone what's the alternative? Like, do, do people have to be like socialist, like 
environmentalist? Uh, like, what is it that we're expecting Hollywood to produce? We're expecting something other than this? Because, I mean, they're the obvious outcome of Hollywood, that the celebrity culture, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would be unreasonable to expect a reality TV family um, to be socialist because the incentive for doing reality TV is to profit. <laughs> like, otherwise, why would you do it? Like, why would you put your life on camera to potentially be, like, ridiculed um, and criticized constantly in every possible way if you weren't going to make a bunch of money off of it? Mm-hmm. Um but also, I mean, we live in a capitalist society and that's the drive for most people in terms of what they do. Um, yeah. That's how you survive in a capitalist society. Uh, obviously, really people how... don't have the same drive. I mean, the Kardashians have, they have drive. Like, they have drive to create and produce and profit and they work really hard at it and they're very successful at doing it. It's funny how... Um... I've noticed like lots of people who are quite driven by money are very vocal about criticizing capitalism. And I feel like two things are happening. One is I think capitalism is often far more complicated than they understand. Um, I think maybe a lot of people learn about capitalism as like a, oh, I'm kind of vaguely learning stuff about politics and uh, maybe the way society is structured and I'm told that capitalism is the reason that there's uh, inequality in society so capitalism becomes the reason for everything it's like the blame for everything but at the same time I want to make heaps of money have a really successful business you know like build my profile um have a big house, go on holidays, fly everywhere, have amazing cars. Like, okay, you want to do everything that capitalism involves and talk shit about capitalism. I mean, sure, fine. I don't know if that really means anything. I mean, I think that probably most people hate capitalism because they don't have money, which is fair. Mm. <laughs> I mean, most people in the world are... Uh, working class. Um, yeah, but the strongest criticism... If you are not able to escape that, then obviously you're not going to support the system. Which is totally valid. I feel like the strongest criticism I see, though, is more from, like, middle class, more from college-educated, right. middle class, like, fuck capitalism. Well, that's because they can't imagine what their lives would be like without capitalism. Like, they can't mm. imagine what it's like to be poor working class. So it's just like a fun political topic to debate with their friends or online. Because mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, like, fuck the system, burn it all down. I think we've talked about this before. But, um, you know, and that, that's just an idea as opposed to yeah. a reality for those people, I think. Yeah. And um, especially when you're young and have probably lived in a pretty wealthy city in a wealthy country your whole life. So you think like burn it all down, not knowing that throughout history, there have been so many permutations of burning it all down and they all were incredibly horrible and (laughs) were not looked nothing like the flourishing cities that people live in today. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Solitaire 360 says, I find the men that marry into the Kardashian family interesting. They seem like lost souls. And it's, I think that's true. So have you watched the Kardashians? A little bit. Like, yeah, I mean, the men in the family are interesting because they have to, like, the women are the dominant ones. Mm. Um, So they have to be kind of subordinate in a way because the family has to be control in control of the family message. Mm-hmm. So the men can't really be independent beings because they can't just go around spouting off about whatever because they'll ruin the brand. Yeah. And they have to kind of take a back seat, um, mm-hmm. which, and you know, it would probably be, intimidating to date somebody who's as rich and as successful and as busy and like Mm -hmm. setting around the world all the time and barely has any time for you like you know chloe or kim or chris um so i guess yeah i guess that aspect's interesting too and kanye is breaking the rules so this is why i think it's like so interesting for people to watch because he recently, just last week, started. So he, so he did his, um, his, uh, um, his campaign rally in South Carolina last week when he decided he wanted to run for president. That's mm-hmm. not going to pan out because he didn't submit the. Uh, I guess he needed ten thousand petition signatures to add him to the ballot late. Um, by last week and he didn't submit it so that's off he's not running for president but then he started tweeting he's obviously having a manic episode um and he started tweeting about like he said i've been trying to get a divorce from kim since she met with meek at the waldorf um and then called chris chris jung and and uh, like i guess he's saying that she's like a dictator um, and said that they were trying to, like, lock him up. Um, basically, I, I'm assuming yeah. they're trying to put him into some kind of, like, mental institution because yeah. he's having a manic episode. Yeah. Um, and then he tweeted, Chris, I'm in Cody if you're not planning another one of your children's Playboy shoots, which is kind of a legit criticism. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, because I mean, because she did. She went with... Kim to her Playboy shoot, which she is pushed it. so weird. Like, she why would any parent well. encourage their? Yes, yes. That was one of my. Uh, I I feel like I'm. I wrote an article about Kim when everyone was like shitting on her for going nude and blah blah blah, and I was like, you realize that she never wanted to do that, and it was like uh, Hugh Hefner and her mum that were kind of like, you've got to do it. Like, it's what's expected of you. And Kim was kind of freaking out at one point and being like, no, like, say no, say I'm leaving. If they want me to be nude, I'm leaving the shoot and we're not going to do it. And then I think Chris kind of, like, kept circumventing her and then kind of just pushed her into it once the shoot was happening. It was very coercive, the whole thing. Do you think she regretted it, Kim? I think she at first said she regretted it, like soon after, I think. But then like some years later, she's said some stuff about how like, oh, like when Hugh Hefner died, like, oh, I love Hugh Hefner. Like he gave me my big start and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, 
I don't know. Maybe she doesn't care now. Also, once you've started doing it, it seems like that was the it, slippery slope into just always doing mood shoots for her. Right, right. That's when she started being more, like, way more provocative in, yeah. in photo shoots. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I, I mean, Chris is the one that I like least out of all of them because, mm-hmm. you know, she's obviously like a smart businesswoman, but I find that to be unethical to try to profit from your daughter's sex tape and then try to profit from your daughter doing a playboy shoot like Mm -hmm. that's odd like she seems to to me she seems lacking in boundaries like she's like a friend mom which friend moms always strike me as i know a lot of people really like chris but i i I don't really like chris like it's always the friend mom is always like that i'm trying too hard to be cool and we're all friends and like tell me everything and I know everything and I get to have an opinion on everything and we're just all sisters together. And it's always like, like lame to me. Also, Chris did say that she had always wanted to do Playboy during this, uh, when they filmed that. So it's like, okay, so do your daughters want to have this celebrity lifestyle or do you want to have this celebrity lifestyle? And you've groomed them into this. Right. I mean, and so like, and I guess like, but the way that they handled it and the way that in general they've handled these kinds of things, because they also had to deal with Chloe's ex being a crackhead and being caught like, or, you know, like almost dying because he almost died while he was like in a brothel and like Mm -hmm. high on a bunch of drugs. Like that was humiliating. And, you know, and the whole family I think was actually pretty like, reserved and like supportive around the whole thing um like i feel like they've had to deal with a lot of kind of like public embarrassment because of these men in their lives and always you know ruining everything for women (laughs) (laughs) but uh and like you know chloe being like publicly cheated on and yeah rob going off the rails and blah 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 totally so rough um but you know, Kim still kind of stuck by, even though, so even though Kanye said publicly he's been trying to divorce her, like, who knows if that's true, and also said, you know, I, he was talking about at the, um, at his campaign rally that he almost killed his daughter. So he he was trying to convince, I guess, Kim to get an abortion before North was born and she wanted to go through with it. Um, so he's divulging all this private information yeah. that they didn't want out there. And he and uh, she, Kim, posted, he's a brilliant but complicated person who, on top of the pressures of being an artist and a black man who experienced the painful loss of his mother, has to deal with the pressure and isolation that is heightened by his bipolar disorder. Those who are close with Kanye know his heart and understand his words sometimes do not align with his intentions and she also said the family can't force him to get help because he's not a minor he has to choose to you know get help himself basically um so i mean i don't know that much about bipolar is it called bipolar disorder is that what what it's called uh there's two i don't know yeah i mean there's bipolar one and bipolar two um i guess you could call it a disorder is probably the easiest way to say it um it's really complicated um mania is um 
Mania is very, it's almost like you're going into psychosis, like you really lose touch with reality. And so most people have hypomania, which is like a lower level of mania. And so that's where you would generally say like someone with bipolar goes through the swings and on the upside, they're super energetic and almost like euphoric and have all these ideas and they're just chatting away and they're super full of energy and they're busy, busy, busy. It sounds like Kanye. (laughs) Yeah. But I think Kanye has full mania, which is the next level up from that. And that's when it's, it's turned up so much that you actually go into almost like psychosis. Like you may hear voices see things you're really not in control anymore of that energy like you will say and do very bizarre things that won't make sense to you once you get out of mania but in the moment it makes it it's what it's just what you're thinking your brain's just like going nuts and that's why you would take mood stabilizers and they really just like as soon as you take a mood stabilizer it's like all the thoughts in your head are just like turned off and Mm. and so he's saying i don't want to take them because i love all these ideas and i love having all the energy and it's like yeah i mean yeah it 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 seems like you have a lot of energy to you but to the people around you it's really scary because they can see that it's it's going into the delusional state it's you know it's like more than a lot of energy so, so and then so when you take the those drugs does it kind of squash your creative drive does it squash the ideas or does it just kind of like cuz i know that a lot of people who struggle with depression like or i think even like ADD like they don't want to take the drugs because it makes them less creative mm-hmm. um and less thoughtful and it sort of squashes a lot of qualities that they like about themselves which mm-hmm. i mean i don't i'm not a big give people drugs fan like Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people are way 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 over treated when it comes to depression and ADD like I think a lot of people are diagnosed with depression and ADD who don't have depression and ADD ADD I, I, I mean I'm not I'm not a psychologist so I wouldn't know how to tell if somebody was suffering from clinical depression to the extent that they needed to be on drugs, I would for the most part think that and argue that most people who are struggling with depression could find other ways of dealing with that. But I'm sure there's some people who have some kind of horrible chemical imbalance where they really just can't function. The problem is medication. I mean, depression, ADHD, and bipolar, very different, uh, very different issues. So as far as how uh, relevant medication is, it's different in every case. Um, One of the issues that's relevant to all three of those is the fact that America has such a heavy focus on the pharmaceutical industry because there's so much profit motive around that it's quite different to other countries so there is much more over diagnosis and uh like over prescribing of medications in the united Mm -hmm. states anywhere else like you don't see that um in terms of like whether you need medication so the thing with 
bipolar in particular is that mania can be very dangerous. You can do really harmful things because in that state, you don't think they're harmful. You think it's a great, like, I can jump off the roof. I can, like, drive my car off a bridge. It makes sense to you. You you genuinely think you can do it. So it, it is actually quite a dangerous state of mind to get into, and that's why the mood stabilizers for the people around you, they're like, we need to get you on mood stabilizers. Like, we don't want something to happen to you that you think is just a good idea and we know it's going to kill you. Um, So, and it's not necessarily suicide ideation either. It's just like, they just think they can do this crazy thing because their brain says they can. Um, So when you take a mood stabilizer, it it honestly, it does, it does kill your creativity and your ideas. It turns all your thoughts down. Um, I've taken them a couple of times just for kind of for that reason, like, uh, being super busy in my mind, probably because I've like maybe used too many drugs in the previous day, and then I'm like, there's too like, much. And you going get ex- that kind of anxiety that you get after, yeah, doing drugs, right. yeah. And I can feel it going towards like that psychosis thing where it starts getting out of control thoughts, like intrusive thoughts, crazy ideas, scary thoughts. And I'm like, okay, I'll take a little bit. And literally all your thoughts just simmer right down. Just it's like someone turned the music down and I hope it goes you're not through. trying to sell us drugs, Laura. <laughs> no. <laughs> Everyone's really like, well, that sounds great. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I don't uh, I don't particularly like them, to be honest. Um, uh, but they can be very helpful in those circumstances. Um, and so if you're someone who does get hypomanic or manic a lot it's really a bit of a lifesaver in that it allows you to just be functional all the time rather than be like worrying about whether you're getting manic because mania happens like you slowly get into mania you think like no I'm fine I'm just super energetic today no I'm fine I'm just feeling really good no I'm even better now and then the next minute you're just like losing it because you don't realize it's gradually happened so the uh, the the mood stabilizers just keep bring you back down and yeah you won't get those big hits of creativity so much so i understand the reservations to taking them for kanye mm-hmm. and i also understand why people want people with mania to be on them because it's really for their safety in the end right well i suppose we'll see where this goes but i do f- i mean i guess i find it interesting sorry i just have to emma's been very active during this whole conversation <laughs> so she's been Whining a little bit and then getting up to chew on her food close to the mic. So that's so funny. Right now. And then she came over and she wanted, I gave her a glass of water before we started all this. She needs her own glass of water. She won't drink out of her water dish because she knows that or in her brain, she thinks, oh, the glass of water is fresher water because that's Megan's water. And Megan's water is always better than my water. So I have to like give her her oh own glass of water God. on the coffee table. But anyway, I guess she decided that water wasn't good enough, so she came over here and wanted my water, so I just had to put my water glass <laughs> Anyway. The richest she's dog not of a princess, but she likes <laughs> food here and wine at my glass of water. 
Six minutes, she'll be like, she'll be be like, I only drink mineral water. It needs to be Evian. (laughs) She's a very special dog. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess it's probably like, I I mean, it's probably a good education for the American public because I think a lot of people would just be like, oh, like Kanye is an idiot, you know, like he's clearly like nuts and like he doesn't make any sense and he's you know whatever and for Kim to come out and say you know he's been diagnosed as bipolar and you know this is really hard on all of us like this isn't just a joke like everybody thinks that everything like they did the same thing to Britney right people are like ha Britney's being so weird look at this other video she posted this is entertainment for us all everything Mm -hmm. is entertainment and it's like no these are actually real people with real problems who are struggling and their families and friends are also struggling with this and you treat everything as a reality tv show and everything for your benefit and you also think that you have the right to comment on and judge and mock everyone because nobody's a real person anymore yeah people are just characters on your tv show or their twitter avatars or whatever like yeah just i don't i find it so gross the way that we we dehumanize people and i'm sure like i've you know, like, I'm not saying be nice all the time because that's, like, the opposite of my approach to life, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously really fun to judge other people. <laughs> yeah. But so, at the same time, like, I think that there's a time to uh, uh, be compassionate and sort of realize that you don't know the whole story. So here's the thing. Like, what I think what you're saying is that we have this tendency now, especially now that we're online in these times of COVID and we're all on the computer all the time and we literally think that, like, it is kind of an objectifying thing. We see people as this, like, distant thing. They're not people. Like, you're not actually in my space, so I have to be aware of, like, your body language and I pick up on your tone and I pick up on how, like, your energy shifts. You're just a person. Like, you're not even a person. You're, you're just a figure on a screen. Um, and w- so, of course, we've always done that to celebrities, but I feel like we're doing it more and more to people especially now that we're all activists and our way of doing activism is to cut other people down, which means that in order to cut other people down, we have to have no empathy for them. So it's really And to assume everyone has bad motives, which is what you also assume about celebrities. So Mm. when people are like, don't be mean to celebrities, people, other people will often respond and say, well, like they asked for it. Like, They chose this life and therefore they deserve to be harassed by the paparazzi um, or like criticized constantly in really intense ways online um, or in tabloids or whatever. Um, You know, they put themselves out there, so they're asking for it. And so I guess maybe they they bring that attitude over to just regular people now. They're like, well, you produced this work or this tweet or this article or, you know, you said this online whenever. So, you know, you put it out out there. So therefore you deserve to be attacked and harassed and 
berated and maybe to have your your life ruined um i mean of course often like the stuff that people are getting canceled over is not intentional like they're not putting it out there on purpose but they seem to think that everybody is um everybody is available and and deserving yeah everything's up for everything's up for grabs right now like whatever it is whatever people can find on you it's and that's the same thing we do to celebrities like we don't seem to respect that they're actually people we don't seem to respect that they get to have boundaries like they don't have to disclose everything uh we should we respect the fact that we don't have the right to know everything about other people and we've had that attitude to celebrities for a very long time and now we seem to be doing it with each other where it's like let's try and find out personal information about this person I don't like so I can spread it and cancel them and sort of reinforce my already existing idea that they're less than human, they're, like, less than me, they're whatever, to make me better. Yeah, it does seem like they don't want to allow anybody to have any boundaries. Like, it's like your personal text messages or DMs now are... Like, it's totally fine. The amount of people who post, like, private Facebook DMs on social media to get somebody is, like, I would never do that. I never have done that. I never would. And obviously, lots of people have sent me shitty DMs. Um, But I think I actually, there's been, like, a couple times where I posted, uh, like, threats that I got over email, but I blocked out the name. But I'm talking about, like, you know, when somebody, it's like, oh, I used to be friends with them, and they texted me, we had this text conversation or this DM conversation, and now I'm mad at them, so I'm going to put this whole thing online um, to destroy them. It's like, ugh, like, I mean, first of all, you have no boundaries, but, like, why is it, like, you like, do you not know that people speak differently privately than they do publicly. Like the kinds of conversations, imagine the kinds of conversations that you have with friends in your living room or even at the bar and obviously over text versus the kinds of things that you would want to post on social media. Hopefully there's a difference. If there's not a difference, then you have mental health issues. Like if you're posting stuff on social media that you're also like having private conversations about with your friends and that's weird to me. It's interesting, though, because I think you're touching on something important, which is it seems like people are trying to enforce that we must speak in our private lives the way we would speak as if we were giving a speech. You know, like you stand up to give a speech somewhere and, of course, you're going to use the right language, you're very thoughtful, you're considerate, you use intentional words, And you do all these things that are probably like woke people like them, which is you're careful about the way you use language because you want to be definitive. You want to be detail oriented. You want to get the point across. They're kind of doing it in the sense of like, you need to be woke. So you need to write, use the language that makes me comfortable. And it's not just that you need to do it when you do public speaking, you need to do it all the time. Like you need to be doing it with your partner. You need to be doing it with your parents. And I want to try and get screenshots of any times you didn't do it in private so that I can publicly disseminate them. Like that is very unhealthy 
Like that person has the right to boundaries, to their private life, to speak however they want with their partner or their parents. Like that's that shouldn't be up for grabs. That's not not for us to analyze. It's mm-hmm. for the person to decide. If someone wants you to analyze how they speak to their partner or their friends and they ask for your opinion, fine. But that's not the case in any of these cases. It's like leaked screenshots of someone saying a word that I don't agree with. Like, okay, but there's a context there. Like, do you know the whole context? Or yeah. are you taking it out of context so that you look like you're doing like activism? Like maybe this was some private joke or a reference to something else you were talking about earlier. Or mm-hmm. maybe you in 2007 thought that it was okay to use this word and your friends thought that it was okay to use this word and now it's not okay so you don't use it anymore or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I mean... But I, that's I guess, all going. It's it, That's like they're trying to get rid of it. They're trying to stamp it out. Like we're not allowed to have these nuances. We're not allowed to have private jokes. We're not, al- we're not really allowed to have this kind of personal life that's not up for public analysis to decide if we're woke. Like that's bizarre. You get to have a private, you should get to have your p- private life that's not up for discussion. And um uh Slaus, what's his name zizek talked about um how you can see in these totalitarian states when it starts emerging the first thing to change is all of our private jokes like the little jokes that we have and that's like a really important way of connecting with each other we just say little things that make us laugh and it, it shows humility it shows personality yeah, it's like I- that goes straight away Right. And I think that that builds trust. Like, so yeah. already Morty just in the comments there said that, um, you know, in, in private, my circle of friends have in jokes that riff on the taboos of the day and said, these in jokes would appear racist or sexist outside of context. That's ridiculous. We need that space. And me too. I mean, the stuff that I say with my friends is so offensive and vulgar mm-hmm. often, much more so than anything I say on this YouTube channel if you can believe it but it's sort of like like they're your friends so you guys all know that you're joking mm-hmm. right because you have like, trust yes it's a trust thing like and it's also trust building i think to be able to just have these open like ridiculous brash conversations with your friends and be able to say like really like over the top vulgar things and mm-hmm. like you can say it because your friends know who you are Mm. like your friends mm-hmm. know what you're about your friends mm-hmm. know that you're not a racist or a misogynist or an abuser or whatever um mm-hmm. but like i mean it, imagine being around your friends and having to like tiptoe around all the time I, I you know like i have i've had friends like that where it's like oh you're gonna take offense to this this thing that i said um and it's like but, you know like you know me like you know that I'm not, you know, prejudiced against this this group of people or or whatever. You know, you know that I don't hate women. Like, you know that I don't have any kind of, like Jesus. Like, you know that I don't have any kind of prejudice against like people who are like mentally ill or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, do it's these people... it's funny. It's it's trust destroying. Like when we get into constantly analyzing whether the way someone speaks is good enough for our politics 
we immediately destroy the connection and the trust. And the interesting thing is that I think that uh, super progressive woke people that are doing this thing where they're analyzing everyone and they want everyone to use the right language. And if you don't, I'm super uncomfortable. And it's interesting because it seems like what they're trying to do is to build trust. Like they think they're going to make the world safer and they think they're going to make the world fairer. But it seems like what they're actually doing is constantly reinforcing this lack of trust because they're always looking. And that's why I say there's no respect for your private life or your boundaries. They're always trying to get into like, what are you really saying? Like, what are your, what are your DMs saying? What might you be saying to your partner? Do you use this language in private as well as public? Or do you just use this in private? And it's so, so, they seem to think their goal is to make the world safer, but they're actually making themselves feel unsafe because they're, now they're constantly on the search and they're making the people that they're searching feel unsafe because we can feel, <laughs> we know, you know, that they're like waiting to see if we say wrong, one wrong thing or if they can find a tweet from 12 years ago. And it's like, no one's safer. Like, what are you achieving? What I don't do know actually if they're agree? actually offended, though. Is that that's the thing? Like, is that I don't know if people who react like this to our private conversations or DMs or mm. whatever. Like, it's like, are you really? Does that word really offend you? Like, are you? Do you actually feel? Do you feel threatened, or do you think somebody else is being threatened by that word? I mean, I think obviously it's it's often just an opportunity to I wish I need to find another word beyond virtue signal because I just feel like I say that word constantly all the time. Yeah. And, you know, when you start using a word that often, it starts to lose meaning. Um, but it's sort of it's a way for them to feel good about themselves and to, a way to, you know, show the world that they're they're the good people and not the bad. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been told that this is something that's offensive. It's not that in their bones they can feel the offense. It's like someone told me that there's something offensive about that, so I now want to bring that up and enforce it upon you. Yeah. Um, Vicky08 says, you need to stop saying like all the time. Find another word. Like me, not you. Oh. She said, Megan, <laughs> you need to stop saying. Sorry, this is a criticism of me, not of you, Laura. Um, I don't Megan, care, whatever. Megan, you need to stop saying like all the time. Find another word. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that I say like, oh, sorry, my my stool here is wonky. Um, the, like my my setup here. My wobbly stool, setup. my professional setup. Um, I mean, if I'm giving an interview or doing a talk, then I don't say like all the time. But when I'm in the midst of casual conversation, then I do say like all the time. And so mm. the way that Laura and I engage on this show, I mean, Laura is free to disagree with me. I don't speak on Laura's behalf. Um, but uh, I, I feel that we're... In, engage in a sort of semi-casual conversation which is why I say um you know like and <laughs> swear a lot um and that's sort of the format of this this conversation slash show I don't know would you agree 
Yeah. Can I just say, though, I listened to Coleman Hughes' podcast, um, which is still very new. And, oh, my God, like, he's so smart and it's so well planned and it's so well produced. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm not very professional, am I? (laughs) (laughs) Damn that Coleman Hughes. He is very – it's a very impressive podcast. I mean, there's different styles for different things. And, yeah, you know, totally. You bring th- like, it's like that's one option and that's great and this is another option and mm. it's whatever His it is. is heavy. Like, if you want to listen to a deep intellectual conversation, that's your thing. Like, yeah. whenever you're up for that. I can't, I can't do that all the time. Like, it's too intense. It's like work. Well, and so. I do do that all the time. Yeah. So I would prefer not to do that here. You know, like I produce, <laughs> I, I already produce, like I've been producing the Feminist Current podcast for yeah. eight years now, um, which are, you know, serious uh, professional interviews. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but like, I mean, part of the reason that we do this show, I think, is because we enjoy doing it. Like, I like talking to yeah. you, and I find this fun, and I like that it's casual, and I like being able to, like, explore ideas in this way and have conversations about, like, whatever comes up and not have to worry about everything being intellectual and serious yeah. all the time and having to watch my words so closely. I've had to watch my words very closely in many other contexts for a long time, and I sort of wanted... Uh, space yeah. to relax a little bit. I feel that as a psychologist, like uh, what you say publicly, technically, there is some bearing on the fact that like you have to be, you have to align yourself with the mandates that we sign up for. So I do feel kind of burdened by that. And I, I, I went through a period of feeling like, um, like I was getting boring and I was losing my personality because I was just like living out my training. Mm. And I, I kind of wonder if this is how SJWs feel that like they're sacrificing their personality and the things that make them who they are. They're just giving that up for the SJW mandate of like using the right language. And that's what I was kind of doing, like using the correct psychological terminology so that you're not misleading people. No, no, no. And you just end up being a fucking drone, repeating the same lines, or if you're an SJW, repeating the mantras. Um, and you, you do, like you lose your sense of self. And I think uh, it kind of makes sense to me that they then start policing other people to do the same. Because, <laughs> like, mm. what do you have to do if you don't have your personality, you don't have your sense of self? Well, have- because they're doing it. So they yeah. probably are like, I, why do I have to do this? You do it too. Like, yes. they're projecting it. They're like, if I'm going to be miserable and fake, then you have to be miserable and fake yes. too. <laughs> yes. Misery loves company. It needs company. Like you can't be miserable and alone. You'll look like a dickhead. You have to make other people miserable with you so that you can keep being miserable. And that's exactly why I want everyone else's relationship to fail. (laughs) (laughs) I did not see that coming. I thought you were going to say that's why I don't agree with cancel culture or something. (laughs) That's why I hope you all get divorces. 
That's actually a thing, though. Have you noticed that when if you've had like a friend who's suddenly single and it went really badly and then you start getting into a relationship and they're like, hmm, I don't know if I like that guy. I'm like, it's not that you don't like this guy. It's that you're still salty about your breakup. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, person- if you're a grown up, you should be able to keep that shit under wraps and just privately hope their relationship fails. <laughs> or acknowledge. You shouldn't like- be a dick about it. Or you can just acknowledge, like, I'm actually still salty. I don't like relationships right now. I'm not the best person to ask. Sometimes I say that. I'm like, I'm not a good person to talk to. I am I am totally biased. You can't trust my advice right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's even more mature to be like, hey, listen, I don't want to hear about your relationship, Joy, because I feel bitter. And I'll feel okay in six to 12 months. And then... <laughs> Talk to me when I'm getting laid. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! I'm sure I'll be glad to hear all about it then. <laughs> Call me the day after I get laid, then tell me about your new boyfriend. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I'm happy for you. Um, okay, so we have to. Okay, COVID over there. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know where that came from. So weird. Before we before we move on to Patreon only, we should talk about the naked Athena. Yeah, what is that? Okay, so okay, I okay, I'll explain what happened. I was gonna get right into it and ask you what you thought, but so for people who who don't know, they're calling this woman, this young woman in Portland, naked Athena. Nobody knows who she is. She stayed anonymous, but um. At a protest, rec- of course it was fucking Portland. Um, That's so good. Yeah. Um, uh, at, a, at one of the protests or demonstrations in Portland, this this woman walks up to stand in front of the cops. She's fully naked and she starts doing these kind of like ballet poses, which some people called yoga poses, but I believe they're actually like more like dance poses and um people thought that it was really powerful and said that she caused like the cops to kind of turn around and leave i don't know that that's really what happened i doubt that they'd be so frightened by a naked woman that they would turn around to leave they probably just turned around to go do something else i don't know um and you know of course my first thought was like like I just I, I I hate I hate naked protest when it's always about like beautiful thin attractive young women like it's like this, this we do this all the time like feminine um which was like hot young skinny blonde girls getting naked and this was supposedly like fighting fascists somehow and misogynists and patriarchy and like uh there was what, what free was, the nipples free the nipple thank you i was like get your tits out day like i mean the nipple slut walk yeah the amber roses slut walk like mm-hmm. all all of the sex work activism mm-hmm. um but like people have been doing like, it what is for this, a very what long is it time accomplishing like what is this what is the what is the radical statement 
that is being shared by a, the kind of naked female body that men want to jack off to. Like, there were so many tweets about this from men that were like, show us the other side, because there's a photo everywhere of her sitting down on the pavement with her legs spread, um, and the photo is from her back. So there's people, there's men tweeting like, show us the other side of the photo. That's the kind of protest I want to see. Or men being like, now that's the girl, kind of girl I want to date. Like, then and oh my like, god, of course you do because she you've turned her into a one dimensional fantasy. Like she's not a real woman to you because she's somebody that you want to fuck, and that's how your brain works. Like it's like, well, I don't know what is this challenging. Like this is fighting. I'm not saying don't do it. Like I don't know anything about her. Maybe she has good intentions. She has, to her credit, not used this as a way to get famous, which is what I sort of assumed she was doing at first. Mm. I was like, oh, this is some, like, wannabe actress who, you know, is creating this big scene to get known and go viral. But she has intentionally stayed anonymous. So, and supposedly this was just a spur of the moment thing. I was reading a post on Facebook from this guy who was um, part of her little activist group. And he said that she just spontaneously decided to do this and it wasn't planned. um, And that she's, you know, a feminist and she really supports sex worker rights. So she's that kind of feminist, obviously. Um, But, you know, like, if a guy did this, what would we think? Like, if a guy got his dick out in front of a bunch of cops, would we be like, oh, that's really powerful? I know. Why is it so powerful when the woman get like, sh- she's doing what a woman is supposed to do. Like, becoming an object for the male gaze, looking beautiful, like, allowing a bunch of men to project their fantasies onto her. And maybe that's on her attention. I'm not saying, like, oh, you're letting them pornify you. It's not It's not necessarily her fault that she's being pornified, but that's the reality. So what is so revolutionary and so radical about it? And you're right that it would be, like, if a man did that, we wouldn't be like, wow, she's so brave. This is so powerful. Like, what, and, you know, like, why is it not brave and powerful for a man to get naked, but it's brave and powerful for a beautiful, thin young woman to get naked? Like, everyone how? wants to get naked anyway. Like, and who's always naked want- all the time? Like, these bodies are just everywhere on social media and media and in pornography, yeah. like, at the it's bar. Funny. Like, what? Like, where is it? Where can you not see these bodies? Like it's funny everywhere. how they um, people who want to take a body positive or sex positive reading of everything are like, oh, but female sexuality is just so powerful that you just fear it. And it's like, or maybe we just don't want to see people's vaginas like in public when we haven't consented Rude. to looking at them. I mean, like, I don't want to see dicks in public when I haven't consented to looking at them why would i want to see vaginas like i don't have to want to see vaginas in public when i haven't asked for it that's so weird that we've decided that you have to uh, subscribe to that or you hate women like what the fuck no i just there's a time and a place for certain things and there's like boundaries once again like we're allowed to have boundaries (laughs) that includes not looking at people's genitals yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to look at anybody else's genitals um, unless I'm having sex with them. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> other people are not so bothered by that. Fine. <laughs> like, and, and like, so the other the other aspect of it was that people were viewing it as a lot of people. <clears throat> so one person tweeted, "Fight toxic masculinity with the divine feminine." So there was this also there was this sort of new agey. Yeah, angle oh to the God. whole thing where people yeah. were talking about it as like I mean on one hand like I can see on one hand I was like well maybe I should support this because I support peaceful protests and this is a peaceful form of protest like you're not like antagonizing or harassing the cops you're not destroying shit you're not like burning anything down you're not beating anybody up so good for you but the fact that that's so connected to the feminine and that's what's viewed as powerful when a woman does it because women shouldn't be aggressive and women shouldn't be violent and um, they should be using their beautiful naked bodies to passively solve the world's problems somehow with yoga poses. Like, I mean, I find that kind of offensive. Like, no. yeah, like it's just all the stereotypes to stand, about stand silently naked and do all these like, I mean, supposedly they're ballet poses, but I find them kind of like sexy poses. Like she wasn't like, she wasn't in the kind of pose that would make her body look unattractive. She yeah, was in yeah, poses yeah. that were accentuating the like beauty and sexuality of her body in a way that people would like to look at. Mm. But so. that's that's the divine feminine. I mean, here's the thing: I've I find new age people maybe almost as annoying as SJWs. Um, the the turning everything into some esoteric spiritual thing that you just wouldn't understand because you're not enlightened in the way I am. And you know, I've been to a lot of meditation retreats, so I can really speak to that you know, the power and enlightenment. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like half of them have no idea in the same way SJWs recycle their mantras that are meaningless. People who think they're spiritual recycle their, their kind of mantras. They, they recycle words that they think make them sound spiritual. But if you've read some of the texts that they think they're drawing from, like I think they sort of vaguely draw from like Buddhism and Zen and Taoism, but n what they're saying doesn't make any sense in connection to those actual philosophies. So they're often just talking total horseshit, but they have this horseshit language that it means a lot to them. Um, it's like they really, <laughs> they they really connect, kind of in the way SJWs connect by using like woke terms that show that they're part of the woke group so now oh my god yay you're woke too oh my god you're spiritual me too i also know a couple of words that are like from some text that i haven't read so this whole thing about divine feminine i'm like fuck off i mean i'm not really interested in most of the time what they're referring to is stereotypes about femininity and then they kind of put this spiritual gloss over it to be like oh but it's enlightened femininity well yeah, yeah. and that's that's th these stereotypes are really bothering me where it's like <laughs> the the most powerful and the most beautiful thing that a woman can do to protest 
is be passive and silent and beautiful and sexy and be this thing for other people to look at and enjoy and project their fantasies and ideas and ideologies onto. Like, it's like, isn't that just the worst, exactly like, the stereotype? Yeah, that's exactly the stereotype. But if you do it naked and you use some new age words, oh my God, fixed. We fixed it. <laughs> and, and, and to be clear, because I know that a lot of people, like I've, I've been making these kinds of critiques for a long time, a lot of people have said to me, and I know that a lot of people watching or listening will say like, oh, you're just like jealous, like you're just mad because she's like pretty and hot and other people think she's pretty and hot. To be clear, I do not want to look at gross bodies either. Like, I don't... <laughs> I don't want to look at anyone's naked body. And I don't think it's powerful. I don't think naked protest is powerful. I mean, if you want to do it and you enjoy doing that, then knock yourself out. Maybe, Mm -hmm. Maybe I am a fucking prude. But it's not, it's not about, you know, I don't want to see like beautiful women's bodies. It's like, I don't want to look at naked men protesting either. Gross. And like, I don't want to look at old bodies protesting naked. I don't want to look at, you know, fat bodies or like really skinny. Like, I don't, I'm not interested in nudity in general as a form of protest. I also don't watch pornography. I'm interested in nudity if it's somebody that I'm sexually attracted to and we're having sex or like, you know, we're intimate or whatever. But why do I want to see the naked bodies of strangers? And why is that powerful? Like, I can't, I can't relate. Somebody else can explain this to me. Um, I'm sure there's lots of people who disagree with me. And in um, this particular reason, it's, I find it incredibly sexist, because as we talked about, this is the, like, this is the feminine stereotype, and this is what women are for under patriarchy. But moreover, I'm just not interested in looking at strangers' naked bodies. The thing about jealousy is really bizarre to me, because I think there's a really, a complete misunderstanding of why we get sick and tired of seeing women objectified. It's not like I'm tired of women seeing women objectified because I don't feel good about myself. No, I'm just statistically, there is too many fucking images of this shit. Like there's thousands, millions. That, we can't avoid them. Yes, no, you're bombarded with it. <laughs> it's like, not, and God. it's not that I feel bad about myself. I actually feel fucking great about myself. Yeah. I get sick of seeing objectified images of women. I also get sick of seeing ads straight away. I also get sick of seeing, you know, SJW posts straight away. I get sick of all of the things that are irritating to me because they're kind of like noxious and they're, it's like, why do I have to keep seeing these things that are frustrating? Like that. I don't want to see them. It's not because I feel bad. I feel great. And they're well, and annoying in the way I feel great. <laughs> right. And, you know, and I felt this way since I was, I mean, since forever, I was going to say since I was 20, but also since I was a teenager, you know, like, and it's like, I had a great body and like, I like myself now and I find myself dry. And I don't even think we should have to justify this. We should have to defend ourselves by being exactly. like, I actually like myself. I don't feel insecure at all next to this woman. Like, I don't feel in competition with this woman. Like, I just don't want to see objectification to start. And I don't want to look at strangers, naked bodies or genitals. Like, 
why is this something that we have to be so defensive around and why is it always an attack on us? I mean, I know why, because they want us to, you know, stop making these kinds of critiques and pretend that it makes us feel sexy and cool so that they can all feel fine about objectifying women and not have to Mm. question why they're doing that and whether or not that's okay or whether or not it's harmful or whatever. Um, But like, you know, and I just know this is going to get worse as I get older and I'm going to have to start being like over and over. Actually, I felt like this when I was 20 and 30. And when I looked more attractive to you, like, I had never thought of that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're just telling me that now that I'm an old woman, my opinion is even more irrelevant because you're, this is, that's about how you see me. You know what I mean? Like if you're an older woman and it's like, oh, that's just because you're old and gross and you're jealous. It's like, cool. You think I'm old and gross. Like I may not think that about myself. Like, and why does my opinion count if I'm like young and thin and beautiful and hot, but not if I'm older? Mm -hmm. It's funny because, um, like Zinc says in the comments, everyone, the, the typical reaction is, this is empowering, like, don't judge women. This is what makes women feel good then. Who are you to say, like, for fuck's sake? It's not about how the person taking the photo feels. It's about the impact of millions and millions of these images constantly everywhere around us, everywhere you look, when you're growing up in an environment where all you see is the same shit over and over again, it does shape the way you look at yourself, other women. It shapes the way your relationships, you know, the way you relate to one another in your relationship. It shapes how healthy your relationships are. Like the reason so many girls are suffering with anxiety, depression, and increasingly suicide-related behaviors the number one thing that girls are reporting in their um, surveys that they're doing on kids like 8 to 18, I think, is that girls in the Western world feel pressured to look a certain way and they feel like they're being judged on how they look. And it does have a direct, like I think I brought this up in another episode, uh, Object self-objectification has a causal link to depression. So the more you're looking at yourself as, as the outside observer and seeing how you look, the more likely you are to start having symptoms of depression. Like that's a serious fucking thing. It's not that I'm jealous. It's that I am concerned about mental health. It's my fucking job to be concerned about mental health. And this is like a public health issue. It's not a old women are ugly and jealous. It's a like, this is actually fucking people's lives up. Well, and the irony is that objectification makes young women feel really insecure and bad about themselves. Mm. Like objectification doesn't make other like whatever you're you're going to claim as some asshole on the Internet or some like porn loving dude who's arguing with us right now in person or in their heads, whatever. I've had this argument with plenty of men, you know, whatever you're going to tell me is like the most attractive girl in the world, like objectification isn't making her feel good. It's making her feel bad about herself. The person yeah. that's feeling good about objectification is you, the male viewer, the consumer. Um, yeah. You know, like women in prostitution, women in pornography, they're not feeling good by being objectified in this way. This is not good yeah. for their self-esteem. This is not good for their mental health. 
like even fuck on you. The... But it's like, oh, you just you just feel jealous because you wish you were her, like because we're objectifying <laughs> her and not you. And it's like, I... no, no. First of all, no. But second of all, like, do do you think that what you're doing is helping her? <laughs> like, that's the funny thing. Even when, and so this is a in, interesting and important point. People think that if I say that you're hot, you feel good about yourself. And so the problem for women who are jealous and insecure is that not enough people told you you're hot. So they're living on this assumption that all women are waiting to be told that they're hot. And if they're told that they're hot often enough, they'll have high self-esteem and all of this problem will be resolved. And that is not how it works in Statistically speaking, when you're giving women feedback about how they look, whether it's positive or negative, it still creates the self-objectification thing. It still reinforces Mm. the fact that we start looking at how do I look to that person? It's irrespective of whether it's negative or positive. Both of them create this outside observer's view of our body or our face. And of course, it has an impact on our cognitive function. You, you, you have less executive functioning when people comment on how you look compared to when, when they don't. So it's not just like, oh, women want to be told they're hot and some women are jealous because they don't get told it. No, it's like it's not a good thing to be commenting on how people look all the time, period. It's just not healthy. It's not a healthy way to live. Right, and I mean, that's why feminists and, like, you know, we'll see this more commonly now, we'll we'll discourage parents, um, moms from from telling their, their girl you know, like, you look really pretty like this. I have to be aware of this because I kind of do this automatically with my niece all the time. It's like, oh, you're dressed. Like, oh, your hair looks nice. Like, Mm -hmm. because we do that to girls and we don't do it to boys. And Mm -hmm. it has a negative impact on girls when you comment all the time on their looks instead of on their intelligence or agility or like, oh, you you can run really fast or like, Mm -hmm. look at how well you'd solve that math question or like look at this cool thing that you built or something like that like that's bad for their self-esteem when you're commenting on how they look all the time Mm. Uh, someone's saying what does jealousy have to do with athena the the link is that oftentimes when women are critical about anything they see in the media of you know sexualized imagery of other women Probably, I think the most common response is like, you're against this because you're jealous. And so I think it, it's totally relevant. And unfortunately, it's like a circumventing of the actual issue because, of course, you get into this whole conversation of trying to explain that you're not jealous instead of dealing with the actual issue, which is there are just statistically, there are too many fucking images like this in the world. Like we just don't need more of them irrespective of like what the purpose is or whatever. It's like, I don't know, maybe this protest did something. Maybe it didn't. I mean, there's fucking naked protests all the time. I'm pretty sure that hippies were doing it in the sixties. Like, I don't think it's this radically new idea of like, Oh my God, I'm getting naked and no one's ever done that before. I'm pretty sure humans started out evolutionarily naked. I don't think it's new or particularly interesting, but, like, my point is that <laughs> to critique it doesn't mean that <laughs> I feel bad about myself, so I'm criticizing this woman. No, I'm just like, 
it's old, it's boring, we need something new, we need something better. It can't just be that sexualizing women is the solution to all of the world's problems. Like, we've got to have something better than that. <laughs> um, I, I hate to end this conversation, but we have to go to Patreon only. I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about. I wanted to talk about a, a Facebook post and people who go around posting on Facebook, ordering their friends to unfriend their other friends and what kind of loser does that. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a big thing right now. But thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll be back next week. So I guess, Oh, okay. Wait, no, I almost forgot. There's uh, an event coming up that I I have to mention on August 8th, and it's going to be awesome. It's called Can I Get a Witness? It's an online event, obviously, Um, but it's about uh, gender identity, and it's all day long, and um, Abigail Schreier is going to be speaking, Kara Dansky is going to be speaking, I'm going to be speaking... um, who else? Jamila Bay, uh, MK Fane. I can't, there's a whole bunch of people on this list, so I, I can't list them all. Um, but a lot of awesome women, and I think maybe even one man. Um, <laughs> but you can, you can buy tickets online. I'm just going to stick the link in this, in this chat. Yeah. So anyway, maybe we'll see you there. And Sorry, we'll where, see you when on is Patreon. this? August 8th. Okay, that's like August eight. It's a Saturday. Okay, sweet. Uh, I'm not gonna so go out week, the night before just for the occasion. You're welcome. Next week we're gonna be doing this a day earlier. Is that right? Oh, is that okay? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be doing. Yeah, next week we'll be here on Wednesday instead of Thursday, and we I might actually, actually permanently switch to Wednesday. Yeah, right. if that works better for people. Um, as lockdown ends, I feel like later in the week is worse for people. Maybe as lockdown yeah. ends. Well, because, yeah, I feel like when we started doing this, nobody had anything to do on the weekend because we weren't allowed to go out. So it was like, I don't know, Friday for some people. And But, yeah, I think we're thinking of switching to midweek, maybe Wednesday night, um, which is Laura's Thursday afternoon. Um, But, yeah, so next week we'll be here on Wednesday night and maybe we'll stick to doing that. Um, Okay, see you guys all on Patreon. Thanks for tuning in. This is The Same Dogs with Megan Murphy. I'm Megan Murphy. I'm Laura McNally. Thank you for coming. Subscribe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. We forgot. Like and subscribe. Comment. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.